0: hey Who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 108.
1: Woo! One day, I shall come back.
2: Oh, dear.
1: We are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is... One never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon.
2: Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with light. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rams. Nice to meet you, Rance. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of
1: wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows attack eyebrow.
0: you can take bottle tops off with these howdy 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 do hope you guys have had a fantastic week and that you've managed to do something doctor who in your lives my name's gary joined as always by adam the geek's handbag we are your TARDIS team welcome aboard the TARDIS. welcome aboard whatever else you want to call it how have you been buddy
3: I'm fine. I'm still <laughs> shuffling to the music, still shuffling
0: away. It's grooving a lot. Uh,
3: yes, I'm really good, mate. Thank you. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad. Are you diddling? Not too bad. I'm sweating. like so It's a little bit hot. It's just a little bit, yeah. Those um, listeners are uh, not in the UK. We're having a bit of a heat wave at the minute, uh, mm. which is quite uncommon for this time of year. So normally in the UK, we have about three days worth of good weather throughout yeah. the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of it is just mediocre filled with like the odd good day mostly gray rainy whatever um but at the moment it's just like yesterday was like 31 degrees or something yeah um which is unheard of in september because normally at this point we're sort of dipping into it's normally like 15 16 degrees it's so nice it's
3: like, isn't it i guess yeah we're making the most of it yeah it's double what yeah. it normally is i it think it's really hot turns
0: for returns, yeah, yeah. Before the crap, I was hoping for some some big storms, weren't we yesterday? But alas,
3: yes. I love a good right.
0: storm. As long as I'm inside, I love a good thunderstorm. I love a storm. Yeah, watch some creepy TV. Yeah, like some Thunder. old camera horror. Yeah, like <laughs> those old, you know, when a car breaks down in the forest and it's thundering and lightning. The only <laughs> thing you know around is a big spooky house up on the hill, or a big castle or something. That old school.
3: I love the Hammer Horror stuff, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, the yeah. classic, classic stuff. So, yeah, what have you been up to, mate? Any Doctor Who stuff
0: this week? Yeah, no, not really. Uh, oh. Not really. I haven't really had the time. I mean, I've, the only thing I've done sort of Who-wise is um, I had to do a bit of commuting. So um, I've listened to a bit of Big Finish on the train. I went back and listened to some old uh, Big Finish that I picked up ages ago when I first got into it. Oh, yeah. What was that? Um, so that was The Chimes of Midnight. Oh, brilliant um it prompted i prompted um uh i was prompted to listen to it by something i saw on twitter actually some people had put on their um it might have been big finish themselves or somebody else they put some photos of the new limited edition vinyl oh it's beautiful like the full cover and the inserts and no it looks so good so i was like right i'm in the mood for that now so listen to that and spare parts as well so those there's about three or four that i picked up all in one go when i first started listening to big finish so yeah, Charms of Midnight and spare parts. Go I think Charms of
3: Midnight is still one of the best, actually, because I, I recently sold a copy of it um, because I had I had two. I oh, had cool, two cool. because what, what I'd done is I'd bought it when it very first came out, and I liked the free download. So when they did a sale, it was like £5, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to buy it again. And, and get the free download, and then I'll just sell the spare copy, which is what I did, hmm. um, not knowing that they were then going to rock it in price uh, because they deleted the first 50. But anyway, <laughs> but before I sold it, I thought, well, I better listen to it and just check it. it's all right. Um, and I just it's just such a great story. I mean, just listen to it again because uh, it's one of the early ones, isn't it? It's one of the first yeah, – yeah. well, it's one of the first 50, obviously. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a really cracking McGann story, that one. Um, and I would love to get this Vine. I was talking to a friend earlier in the week. Uh, about the vinyl saying about you know because it's just it's just been released isn't it they brought the release date forward i think mm. slightly so yep. it's come out a bit early um and i have been i have been eyeing it up thinking oh maybe close to the time i might fork <laughs> out for it but it's just a little bit it's a little bit expensive isn't it it's about 79 pounds yeah um mm-hmm. and i think it will go up once it gets released i think that's like the pre-order price and then you have to
0: pay postage
3: But, yeah, I'm still keep looking at it. Did you pre-order it in the end or not? No.
0: No. No. For the exact same reason. Um, Because there's a big chunk of me that was like, no, it's, I just Mm. don't mind the price because it's such a great audio story. And the vinyl cover and, you know, the case and, you know, the liner notes, they all look so good. It's really good. You know, especially as, you know, you and I love vinyl, it'd be a really great, you know, thing to have. Um, It would, yeah. But it just borders on that. Just too pricey, you know. Mm. If it was like, if it was like sixty pounds, you know, or fifty, you know, fifty quid, you know, it would have been okay. But you know, when you're pushing up to nearer the hundred pounds, when you're closer to a hundred than you are fifty, mm. you know, it does make it a bit like Nyeh.
3: yeah, yeah. I'm thinking that's well because I'm thinking back to the record store day when I got the the Doctor exclusives from mm. that. So they did the. Genesis, the Dalek purple vinyl, or blue vinyl, whatever it was.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they look awesome, don't they?
3: And they were great, yeah. and and the uh, soundtrack to Dalek Invasion Earth, which was a double pack with yellow vinyl, um, and they were around about twenty five, thirty five, if you could get them in the shop. I know people sold them for a lot more on eBay, but if you could actually get them in the shop, and mm. I thought, well, you know, that's half the price, less, you know, than half the price of one vinyl for a Big Finish. So I do feel it's a little bit steep I felt, like you said i think i'd have been tempted around well sort of 35 really i would have snapped it up 40 50 i probably would have pushed to it 80 it's just that little bit too much although it does look gorgeous but um yeah i just yeah. can't my wallet just uh, <laughs> just can't can't take the battering at the minute but yeah i, I would love to get it yeah. not gonna lie
0: because the, the spare yeah.
3: parts one comes out next year and that that again looks looks blimmin gorgeous doesn't it, the it does. spare parts cover that they've released yeah so and that's another great story
0: yeah I mean it's okay if you're I guess if you have if you don't own the story and you're into mm. vinyl this would be a cracking you know way to, to listen to it as a first time yeah but yeah it's, you know seeing as we own it already as well that's another aspect as well it's not like we haven't heard it and we can't listen to it anytime we want it's just the I don't know. It's, it's just, just a of bragging rights. It yeah, yeah, it's a bragging rights of having it, you know, the special edition on vinyl. It's just, but then, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of people that, you know, look at the stuff on my shelves. So, I that's don't know. true.
3: I don't let anyone near my shelf. <laughs>
0: Break my it's bloody fingers me. if they come
3: near
4: it. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, I what's mean? this little figure? Ah! Get behind the line. Behind
0: yep. the line. Yes. Yeah. Put those uh, white gloves on, please, if you're going to pick <laughs> anything up.
3: As <laughs> having said that, I did notice this morning that this is caked in dust. Um my shout. I need to give it a click. Uh but talking of audios, like, I I've been listening to an audio that um last week actually, uh, which was brilliant. And I must mention it because um I was unsure whether to order it just because I didn't know the company. Um but it sounded intriguing and I'm so glad I ordered it. It's uh the Baker's End from the company that's called Baffle Gab, I think. Is that how you say it? Baffle Gab? Uh, okay. Baker's End, which stars Tom Baker um, and Katie Manning. And uh, I think it's fair to, you would describe it as bonkers. <laughs> it's a really fun, <laughs> mad story. And uh, you know how we often talk about Tom Baker being sort of quite obsessed with death? <laughs> he goes on about it quite a lot, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, well, this sort of centres around um, him being dead but actually turning out not to be dead. And uh, and sort of, um, well, it's it's just a really crazy story that sort of evolves around that. Um, And you can imagine having him and Katie Manning sort of together is is bonkers enough. So, yeah, I tell you, I just sat and I listened to it. Um, and I've never heard of Baffle Gab before, but I'm definitely going to get the rest of these because as soon as I ordered it, as soon as it was released, I got the free download, same as Big Finish do. So I immediately had the download. And then the CD popped up uh, in the post like two or three days later, so I was pleased about that because you know what I mean. I sort of got the physical thing as well. Oh, cool. But yes, yeah, right. by Paul Margs. Margs, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, who does a lot of the big finish writing as well. He's actually written it, um, and it's. I'll tell you, just for a bit of light-hearted fun, it's it's well worth a listen. Yeah, okay. and it was like, it was like nine ninety nine as well, free
0: post, so it's a good, reasonable price as well. It's good. Yeah, if you want the. Um the download that's only six ninety nine. so that's not bad yeah not bad no, at all
3: well worth listening I thoroughly enjoyed it I tell you it's out in the sun legs out Tom Baker Katie Manning it's, it doesn't get any better than that
0: oh, sounds good <laughs> I might look at that, actually it looks very good yeah
3: I the reason I can't begin to describe what it's actually about is a I don't want to ruin it and b it's just so crazy that I wouldn't know where to begin
0: it's one of those things where you just have to sit back and listen and it's it's just fun it's just a lot of fun yeah just the opening line of the description is really funny uh, peevish actors are descending mournfully upon the remote English village of happenstance for the funeral of TV legend, Tom Baker. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds, yeah. Well, it sounds very morbid, but it sounds very interesting anyway.
3: Yeah. I was going to say it sounds morbid. It's really not. It's really funny. Cool.
0: Yeah. So Uk.
3: Yeah. I mentioned it cause I know it's been floating around. A few people have said, oh, I don't know whether to give it a go. Is it any good? And yeah, it's definitely worth a go.
4: Okay.
0: Yeah. Good beans.
3: Yes. That's it, mate. But I haven't really been doing much else, Doctor Who wise, this this week. I have to be honest. Um, after watching our review app, I'm kind mm. of because it's in part of a box set, isn't it? Uh, yeah. We're, obviously, I'm sure I listened to them. We're reviewing the, the Romans today, but um, it's part of a box set, and I was kind of tempted to watch the other one, but I didn't get a chance. It's what's the other one that's in it? Is it the rescue? The rescue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have liked to have found time to watch that, uh, but but sadly, I didn't. No. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's definitely... um, You
3: sounded a bit like Basil Brush then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a name I've not heard in many (laughs) a a year. That's a name a lot of listeners won't know. Yeah, Yeah.
0: definitely an interesting review for the Romans coming up, so stay tuned for that. But first though, we have got some rather interesting news to talk through. We have, yeah. So shall we land it?
3: Yeah, let's land
0: it. And this first one, you told <laughs> me about. And um, you, you, when you said this to me, after, after, you, after I'd gone away and, and read into it and stuff like that, you, you, what you wrote to me in the follow-up tweet was the exact words that I had in my mind as well. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, how well, strange. <laughs> so, when you, so Adam told me about this and I went off and had a look. And then as I was thinking it, Adam tweeted it to me. And that was, it's a real shame that the moth doesn't have twitter anymore i know no, used i used to be on it yeah i was thinking exactly the same thing because this would have been an epic showdown
3: it would have been and uh, and the, the thing is it's strange because last week on the podcast we were talking about twitter spats and how um fandom seems to be turning on itself and even the writers and stuff from the show were having to go each other i think we talked about gareth roberts weren't we and oh, that's right yeah. him, him yeah. and um a few uh, who is it Benjamin Cook and I had a bit of an argument on Twitter um, so yeah and then things have really hotted up again since it's really strange how everyone's like seems to be falling out in the Doctor Who <laughs> fandom like not just the fans but the writers and that now so anyway yeah the story is
0: yes st- so uh, we all know for a while now that John Barrowman has been uber keen to try and get Torchwood to back onto TV that's no secret yeah and um although it has been he hasn't been doing too bad up to this point because we have had a, a lot more traction sort of come out of uh, various things over the last year so big finish have put a massive push behind torchwood you know we've had what four or five audio stories out yeah at least um, yeah already um so we've had uh, a new range of torchwood comics as well so they're doing okay you know the fans are as far as we know it's all been well received so mm-hmm. you know it's in the right direction um and there were actually, yeah, I've just thought of this. There was a, ma- I saw the front of a cover of a magazine in the shop day before yesterday. And it had a, it, the, the cover was just a photo of John Barrowman. And it said, the, the strap line on the magazine said, John Barrowman's um, uh, uh, push to get back into British TV. Mm. And it had an interview about him, you know, spending a lot more time now. And he, cause I think he's, um, th- those of you that have watched, um, uh, a show based on DC characters. So he, a few years back, he starred in Arrow. Oh, that's with Stephen right. Yeah. Amell and so on. Um, and now he's like a regular in that show. And I think he's been cast in another superhero show. Um, so he's doing quite a, a lot of those US kind of, you know, superhero comic booky uh, type stuff. But I think he wants mm. to come back to the UK for some reason, and do a lot more TV here. And one of those driving things is Torchwood. Hmm. However, he feels that there's a certain person, (laughs) rightly or wrongly, that's been um, sort of blocking the path, so to speak. Um, And that person happens to be, uh, with little surprise, the mothball. Yeah. And um, I was uh, kind of surprised when I heard this because I've never heard Stephen Moffat ever say that he's not a fan of Tortured or he dislikes it or there's any been there's never you know he's never said there's been an issue has he with Torchwood. I, I've
3: no, I've never no, heard never him, heard so, him anyway.
0: mention it. No. Yeah. Um he doesn't talk about it much anyway, but the little snippets that I've heard in interviews and stuff like that over the years, I've never heard him say you know Torchwood's a bad thing or it shouldn't be on telly or whatever. So it's kind of weird that it's come to this. But I'm going to play you a clip this is the this is John Barrowman actually saying it. I don't think Adam the the, the audio setup we've got I don't think Adam will be able to hear it, but um ah. uh, it's only Adam, so hold on.
2: Without giving too much away, I was on a phone conversation with one of our our executives, uh, exec producers, um, uh, telling me the obstacles that we have to face in order to bring it back. And I don't like to see things as obstacles because my feeling is that it's a good show, it deserves to come back, and uh, I'm being told that it can't come back until it's got approval from certain people involved with Doctor Who and I don't understand why one show has to have the approval of another in order to come back. But that might change when um, somebody leaves. <laughs> and somebody new and wonderful comes in. Thank you. You're
1: <laughs>
0: oh, John. There you go. It, you know, it's, he, so he doesn't actually say, you know. He doesn't I, name names. But... He doesn't name names, but it's. 99.9% obvious that he's talking about Stephen Moffat. Mm. Um, so, the Moff is unhappy, isn't he? He doesn't well, like the finger being pointed at him.
3: No, and in a, yeah, I mean he's actually given a statement, isn't he? Quite flatly denying. And well, I'll, I, I assume you're going to read the statement. Or I'll let you read it first.
0: I've got it here. I'm not going to do yeah. his accent. No, because it's, it it a a well. it's a rather awkward, you know, it's a Scottish accent at the time. Yeah, so. <laughs> He says, you may be aware that John Barrowman has been saying publicly that I've been blocking a new series of Torchwood. To be very clear, I haven't blocked it. I wouldn't block it. I wouldn't even be able to block it. I didn't even know a revival had been mooted till I read about it on the internet. Uh, As John perfectly well knows, it's not my show and I could do no more to prevent it happening than than he could cancel Sherlock. Uh, I am bewildered and a little cross even to be included in the conversation. For the record, I really like this show, especially the third series, and would be happy to see more. Monsters and mayhem, why not? But the fact is, it has nothing to do with me. Please pass this on to the anxious and the angry. I've had enough hate mail now. Oh dear. End of quote. So he's very unhappy that, you know, John Barrowman's pointed the finger in his direction as, you know, the person who's supposedly blocking the the thing. Yeah so this is strange isn't it because I
3: think John Barrowman I mean the thing about Barrowman is every interview I've seen with him recently he he clearly loves the character of Captain Jack he's keen as mustard to come back into Doctor Who or Torchworld or preferably both so that's great we know Barrowman's on board um and he's clearly been trying to sort of get make this happen so he's been talking about phone calls he's going to have and all that and it's, it's you can almost feel the excitement brimming Mm-hmm. underneath that he can't wait to tell us this stuff so I think when this phone call happened whoever it was with and it didn't go the way he hoped I think he's he's just finally snapped isn't he he's just sort of said oh for you know sort of like and I can understand it as well he's <laughs> sort of like oh for goodness sake what's the problem the fans want it I want it Why?" you know he's like yeah. so I think when he was on stage um he's just I don't know whether he was Thinking of saying it when before he went up there, but I think he's just got to the point where he's he's fed up and he's just let rip a little bit on stage. And you know, but the thing is, if the moth isn't responsible, and we're assuming that Barrowman thinks he is, there's clearly some confusion
0: mm-hmm.
3: in the middle there, isn't there? So I don't really know what to believe, um, to be honest, between the two of them.
0: Yeah, it's an, I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of inclined to lean towards the moth in this one because mm-hmm. I don't think that he would jump out quite quickly and publicly to you know to say all this stuff you know he's he's obviously wants to put the record straight yeah Um, and in in my mind what's happened is sort of John Barrowman has been sort of joining the dots together to sort of lead to where the problem is and he's sort of come at the wrong side so I believe what's happened is he's been you know chipping away at whichever uh, bunch of execs or producers are going to be you know, would potentially make a new series of Torture. And they've said, right, it's a bit of a tricky time at the moment because we're on the hiatus with Doctor Who, that's coming back at Christmas, and then we've got the new series, new showrunner after that. Plus yeah. we've got class coming in. So if there's a lot going on. So, you know, it, maybe it's not the right time for Torture at the moment. So in his mind, he's thought, well, why has the moth said that? Because he's prob- cause he'd probably been told you know, the guys who are making Doctor Who is probably not the right time at the minute. So in his mind, Doctor Who is Stephen Moffat because he's yeah, the showrunner, yeah. he's the guy behind it all. So he's probably, some way there, he's sort of politely been told, you know, it's not now. And he's thought, right, the guy behind Doctor Who is Stephen Moffat, so it's his fault.
4: Yeah. I, I that's what I right. think. He's sort of, yeah. you know,
0: he's doing his math and he's coming up like a point five out. You know his calculations are a little bit so. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a good old cruck though, isn't it? I, that's mm. why we said it would be great if the moth was on Twitter still because you can imagine the in and fro-in <laughs> between him and John Barrowman. It would be so just entertainment to watch them two going at it. But
3: yeah, I know what you mean. I just yeah, I don't know what to what to believe. Um, I, I would I personally, I would love to see torture come back, but I can't see it happening anytime soon. You know, but I just it's it's either that or perhaps when John phoned. Um, and the secretary answered the call. She's like, Oh, it's John Barrowman again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just tell him the moth said no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. The moth said no. And, you know, they just blame it on the moth, put the phone down. Ah, but I, I was surprised that he came out and and said what he said on stage. I, I was a little bit surprised because it, to me, it did clearly point the finger at the moth. I was thinking, well, they can't, yeah. he can't be talking about anyone else. It's, it's just blatant. So I was a little bit surprised. Um, and then I'm kind of glad that the moth responded because if he hadn't, in my mind, you know, I wouldn't have thought any different. I would have thought Barrowman was right. I would have thought, oh, blimmin' heck, Stephen, you know. Um, so I'm kind of glad that the moths come out with this statement hmm. um, because it just gives both sides and, you know, you just have to believe what you want to believe. But, yeah, either way, it's a bit of a bit of a mess.
0: Yeah, you can just imagine John Barrowman looking at that message from, them off and you'd be like oh yeah probably should have thought a bit more about opening my mouth there
3: yeah well that's what i meant when i said i think he got to the get got to that point where he just probably was needed to let off a bit of steam because i think we've <laughs> all done that we sort of you know you try you know what you should shouldn't say um but then sometimes you just get so passionate about something you just got to get it off
0: your chest that's i reckon it.
3: that's what right. happened and he's he probably went backstage afterwards
0: and thought oh no what have I done? Yeah, yeah, he's probably on the phone. Like, I might have done something rather rash. Could yeah. be a bit of a backlash on this one, but at least it's out there now. Mm-hmm. Then, then again, you know, it's an avenue for him to voice his opinion, isn't it? If he's just sitting there yeah. at home shouting at the walls, I want Torchwood back now. <laughs> that's not going to get anywhere, is it?
3: No, that's not. So we'll we'll see what happens. You know, they'll, obviously barryman hasn't responded to this yet, and I think there's there's obviously this is a very complex thing. This is not a case yeah. of. You know, it's not an easy fix. You can't just phone somebody up and say, yeah, let's make Torchwood and it goes into production the next day. So it's quite involved. Yeah. So there's probably going to be
0: a bit more comes out about this, I should think. Yeah. And also the earlier comment he made about he, he's, he doesn't understand why, you know, one TV show needs the approval of another one to get mm. made. You know, I think he just, for, for me, I think he needs to be a little bit more not so naive about that because at the end of the day, Torchwood is a spin off. Of Doctor Who. Yeah. You know, so yeah. although it stands on its own two feet most of the time, it doesn't need Doctor Who for um some of the storylines that was in Torchwood. At the end of the day, it still is a spin-off. So, you know, the main show, the flagship show, which is Doctor Who, it needs, you know, the people who are making all this stuff, all those clever bods that sit in the office and say, you know we should write keep peter capaldi inconsistently over the next year those clever people <laughs> they they're the ones that need to be like right we have to do this properly we can't just say yes let's go ahead and do torchwood mm. it needs to link in in a certain way and it needs to be done right so it's um yeah it, it, it's 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 funny on one hand but it's you know interesting it's really interesting on the other to see where it goes next you know what's john Barrowman going to say now you know <laughs> yeah. in re, in response to the moth's message so
3: Yeah, and the other interesting thing, and and I'm totally guilty of this, is I always assumed the Moffat wrote the character of Captain Jack, which of course he didn't. And I, you know, I just naively, because he's in the the episode that the Moff wrote, because he was created by Russell T. Mm. Davis, wasn't he? The actual character, yeah. Um, But uh, obviously the Moffat wrote captain jack's sort of first story that aired on tv so um yeah it's interesting because obviously russell's got to be involved somewhere as well then because he created the character um and uh you know maybe he doesn't particularly think it's right to bring it back because when torture was on the two series like you said kind of gelled together and worked alongside each other so you you kind of want that again really you don't want it Mm. just sort of been you know made at the wrong time and put out there and yeah So Russell's involved as well. We wait to see if he has a comment to say. That'd be interesting. Yes.
4: Yes. Yes. Indeed.
3: Anyway, uh, in other news, um, there has been a brilliant interview with Christopher Eccleston um, chatting on... It was an Australian radio station, I think, ABC Melbourne. I was was trying to find it before we... uh, while the music's playing in the intro, actually. Um, Chris has talked about Doctor Who over the years, but he's never really given too much away. But in this interview, he was probably the most candid i've ever heard him um and you've you've heard the interview haven't
0: you yes yep
3: he basically talks about how because there's been a few stories in the press about how he regrets not doing a second series and i wondered um how much of that was just the press taking something you'd said and twisting it but having heard the interview i think he really would have liked to done another series and it sounds like um he would have been totally up for doing another series if he wasn't so unhappy with the way the first series was produced. Because he talks, he actually talks about the production being a disaster, doesn't he? That's Use right. yep. uh, he uses those words. He says wrong directors, um, you know, and just the pressure. And I think they were quite behind on the schedule when they started the series, so it, everything was very pressured and and that. And I think he just, yeah, on reflection, I think he, looking back, he said he, you know, loves the character of the Doctor. It's one of the best sort of sort of characters you could get into um and he would have loved to have taken what he'd done in series one and improved on it and done another series but he just felt that the sort of whole production side of it was a shambles and he couldn't commit to another series because of it um but it was a it's a fantastic little interview isn't it it's only that the clip we listen to is probably about a minute and a half long um but he's just so no. honest i've never heard him talk talk so openly about it like that
0: no and it We've heard interviews with him in the past, haven't we, where he said every, uh, you know, most interviews will always get onto the subject of Doctor Who. And you can see his Mm -hmm. face change like, here we go. You know, I I knew this bit was coming. And he kind of had the same answer for many years, didn't he? He was like, you know, he he always said he was very proud of how it turned out, Mm. Um, you know, but there was just a few niggles along the way. So this is the first time that he's explicitly said that, you know, they should have, you know, put the money up. And got you know a much better director, you know, in on the show, and that the production, like you said, he was just said it was just a disaster, mm. um, and was terrible to work in. Um, so you, you, it it's very bizarre to me to have um, someone's opinion on the show be that way um, on a series that's so good. I mean, I know, I know there's mm. you know it's not perfect and. You know, there aren't, you know, the odd niggle and it's, but, you know, but that's what you have with the first of anything. Yeah, you know, and I'm of...
3: always amazed how much they, looking, watching it, how much it seems they got right. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, yeah. when I watch it, it feels incredibly, uh, you know, because I love the the first series, you know. Um, yeah, like you said, there's the odd bit where you think, oh, that could have been better, but you have to excuse it for because they were sort of finding their feet. I'm always surprised how good the first series is when I watch it back. Mm. Um, but it's interesting to to think that, you know, behind the scenes, it was just a complete and utter nightmare from the sounds <laughs> of it. And I, I think, you know, like we were saying about Barrowman earlier, where he's probably reached a point where he just needs to get off his chest. I've, I felt a bit of that listening to this interview with Chris. I feel he just needed to... I think what he's been waiting for is, because he says in the interview, have they acknowledged it now? meaning like the producers and that. And mm-hmm. I think the interviewer says, yeah, he says good. Because, you know, I think he's been waiting for them to sort of say, yeah, it was, you know, we understand where Chris yeah. is coming from in order for him to say, thank you. You know, this is this
0: is why. Um, so, yeah, it's really, really interesting. It is. And the other thing that, um, that I found quite interesting is um, when you and I reviewed the episode uh, Rose, uh, however long ago it was, you and i both said exactly the same thing and that was that that especially that first episode and pretty much that first series in our opinions it was exactly what the show needed to be at the mm. time if you remember we was we said that um it needed to have um it needed to be not sort of too complex that new viewers couldn't jump on board and enjoy it and get into it it needed to have a bit of fan service so that long term fans could you know pick up on things um, yeah. But it also needed to be a lot more of a modern show and appeal to like, you know, how TV was made, you know, 10 years ago, however many years ago. Um, so it's just really, you know, it's, I, 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 it must be hard for Chris Eccleston because he probably thinks, you know, this could have been a million times better. You know, if we would have had that director, if we'd had that budget, mm-hmm. if we'd have done it this way, if the production was better. And he also criticizes his own performance a little bit, doesn't he? He goes on to say, you know, he was, You know, very proud of his performance, but he knew that when he when he was watching it back, he was saying things to himself like when I next play the doctor, I'm going to do that differently or I'm going to do that differently. And his performance, he said, would have been a lot better had he have gone on to do series two. That's right. It talks
3: about the comedic parts, doesn't he? He said he wasn't known for being a comedic actor and he was asked to do some quite sort of light-hearted stuff in Mm. series one, which he wasn't known for and perhaps wasn't comfortable doing. And he says if he'd gone on to do the second series, he would have, you know, uh, toned in on that and and, and sort of perfected it a bit more and, you know, because he sees it as a craft, isn't he? He's a very sort of... um, you know, you can imagine him watching his, his stuff back and think, right, I need to do this, I need to do that, and yeah. uh, and perfect it. So, yeah, it's just it's just even hearing him just say, if I'd have done series two, you know, it just makes me think I would have just loved to have seen how he would have developed the character. I think he said himself that he had um, his own... In his mind, he had his own ideas of what he where he wanted to go with the character of the Doctor. And I think the production team didn't agree with some of the That's ideas right. he had. There was a bit of a clash, yeah. wasn't there, on how he wanted to, 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 to perform the Doctor. Um, so, yeah, it would have been fascinating, I think, to see. A second series of Chris to see what he did with it, um but it's really nice to hear him start to open up a bit more about his reasons why. And the more he talks about it, um, I think you probably feel the same. The more he talks about it, the more I start to understand. Yes, you know, because yes. uh, yeah, because yeah, he does get a hard time sometimes for turning his back on the show. But yeah, it's he—he's good in an interview. Sometimes he can be a bit reserved, but when he's flowing like this, when he's actually just chatting and is more relaxed. He's, he's really
0: interesting to hear him actually. Mm. And he, and the good thing is though, it's not all bad. It's not like he's, you know, sitting there, you know, completely running the show into the ground. He does say, you know, it's the, the the character of the doctor is a beautiful character. And, Mm. you know, he really loves all the other performances from David and Matt and Peter. He loves all that stuff because he appreciates how hard it is to play the doctor in a show like that. So, um, yeah, it's just a shame because he does say that he regrets not, not doing that second series, mm. you know, he does say that you know he regrets that, but uh, it is a shame because I think he would have been, you know, so much better in series two once yeah. you know really got into it and you know got his some of his ideas in there. It would have been cracking.
3: It does make but, me wonder why he didn't, why the Moth couldn't convince him to come back to the, for the fiftieth though, because if he was sort of if he had these mixed feelings and you know I think there'd been enough time between when he left in the 50th it does make me wonder how tempted he was to do that. Cause from what I understand, he wasn't really up for it much at all. Like the moth said he had two or three conversations with him where he really tried. And he said, he sort of politely kept saying, no, I'm not really, mm-hmm. no, you know, so it does make me think, but
0: yeah. You know. Yeah. Some actors are like that. They just, I don't know. They just lock them. It's a bit like, um, uh, movie fans will know that, uh, Dan Aykroyd and, harold Ramis before he passed away they tried for donkey's years to get bill murray to do Ghostbusters three and Mm -hmm. he was the reason why it never got made in the end he was just like no Mm -hmm. no 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 so some actors are just like that you know they they get sort of not tarnished with that but they just Mm -hmm. get that feeling like i can't go back there it's you know i just can't do it so maybe we should have kidnapped him and you know held somebody (laughs) valuable ransom you know before we
3: move up before we move (laughs) on the story though one one question for you do you think this could possibly lead on to Chris doing some big finish audios? No. <laughs> oh, right. I oh, see. I had a glimmer of hope. I had a glimmer of hope hearing him say, say this stuff. I thought, oh, maybe they could get him. No, I don't think so either, but no. it would be nice,
0: wouldn't it? It would be nice. <laughs> uh, right, Yeah. So some, uh, some very in, enlightening news there. Yeah. Which yeah, um, so we'd like to hear your comments on, actually. Let's get a, an, an online uh, debate. Uh, shenanigans going. Let's see uh, what your views <laughs> are on uh, Mr. Barrowman and Mr. Eccleston. But uh, right, uh, we've got a couple of bits of merch. So should we get the Daleks in? Oh yeah, get them in. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. <laughs> I don't know whether to be impressed
2: or disgusted.
0: It's a bit rubbish,
1: but it's pretty. It's very pretty.
0: Talking of John Barrowman, <laughs> talking of John Barrowman and Captain Jack, uh, big finish have announced, potentially much to his dismay, <laughs> in, you know, in light of recent things, um, that there's going to be a brand new big finish audio adventure called The Lives of Captain Jack, which is due out mid next year. Um, now, this for me is it's kind of a, a, a bittersweet. It, this must be a bittersweet thing for John Barrowman because he's like, you know, it's one of those things where we, we said it in the past, you know, at various times, thank God for Big Finish. Yeah. You know, um, so he must be thinking that on one, you know, one hand, like, you know, thank God because I'm still getting it out there. You know, Torchwood and Captain Jack, it's still in the, you know, the, the public's mind and I'm, you're doing it, but it's still not the TV show. Yeah. Um but you know, anyway, regardless. Uh The Lives of Captain Jack, June twenty seventeen, uh brand new audio adventure. I'm not sure um how much I mean there, there are a few um uh guest stars, you know, alongside John Barrow in this one, but um I'm not sure uh how much of this is Torchwood versus just an adventure with Captain Jack.
3: Mm, yeah, I'm not sure
0: either. Yeah um so uh, the synopsis is: um, uh, it, It's uh, Captain Jack, an immortal adventurer uh, with a wicked sense of everything, has led an extraordinary set of lives. Uh, we all know he travelled with the Doctor. Um, we all know he ran tortured. But what else did he get up to? Uh, Ooh, well, th- I think we
3: know <laughs> the answer to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> These four adventures in the full cast series on Big Finish provide some of the answers. Ow. So this is like um, it feels <laughs> to me like it's a filling in of the gaps. So oh. what did Captain Jack do when he was not travelling with the Doctor and when he wasn't getting stuck into Torchwood? So um, it could be interesting. It could be cool because this is like a door open to anything.
3: Yeah, it is. You yeah, know, that's in, a good
0: point. Yeah, In terms of like, you know, for the writers especially, where their imagination's going to go, this could go anywhere because they're True. unrestricted pretty much because they don't have to rely too heavily on, you know, surrounding storylines. This is just Captain yeah. Jack somewhere in the universe Doing Let something loose. with somebody, obviously, <laughs> Yeah. because um, he's a bit of a um, a bit of a uh, a cad, a bit of a rogue. <laughs> <That's>,
3: yeah, <laughs> oh, there's an old-fashioned word. I like that. A cad. I'm <laughs> trying
0: not to be too um, uh, crude in my mm. descriptions of Captain Jack's plans. But um, how do you feel about this, mate? A bit more of a backstory on Captain Jack? What he's been up to?
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I think this is like you said, It's quite interesting. I'm loving the look of some of the people that are in it. Um, as well so it's also starring russell tovey uh from you know obviously doctor and being human and also one of the nicest people i've ever bumped into on the street um uh, it's also got camille Kaduri, who we love we've never met her but jackie uh, obviously plays jackie yeah um i never know how to pronounce this guy's surname do you alexander voss obviously he does the confessions of dorian gray for big finish oh yeah um yeah. so he's good katie manning she's She's doing a lot lately, isn't she? Mm. I was going to say she's getting around, but yeah, she's doing well. So yeah, some great people involved in it. Um, sounds really interesting to me. Uh, always worries me when they say these things like, you know, it seems so far away. June 2017 seems like, you know, ages away. And yet yeah, it'll soon come round, which is scary. But yeah, sounds good to me.
0: It um, does. does it say how many CDs it is? Uh, it doesn't say Are many any... CDs, but it's four stories. Four stories, right. Yeah. Okay. So um, the first one's called The Year After I Died. I felt really old saying CDs then, so I it just days, makes me... Yeah. CDs? What's that? And that's set in the year 2101, oh. on Earth, ravaged by Daleks. Oh, Daleks! Oh, so Briggsie will be involved in, yeah. I expect. We see Jack struggling to save humanity. Um, the second one's called Wednesdays for Beginners, and that's Jack and Jackie Tyler. Oh, excellent! Yep, yeah, they must reunite uh, to rescue the Powell estate. I've just been sold. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Third one is called One Enchanting Evening. Captain Jack and Alonzo, who we know from, um, uh, he was paired up in the bar at the very end of David Tennant's story. Oh, Um, yeah. You know, they've only just met in the bar, but why did the Doctor want them to be together? Oh, wow. This is actually sounding really good. I'm Um, really getting into this. Yeah. And then the final one is Month 25. He's the young star of the Time Agency, and his whole life is about to fall apart but that's not going to stop him winning. Whoa. This is so, sounding
3: pretty good, actually.
0: Yes. And one thing, because when I first heard it, I was like, you know, I'm excited because they could go anywhere with it. But then when they link it into these characters, so Jackie Tyler and Alonzo, who was one of the, it was the, um, uh, what, what was the David Tennant special where it's the end of time part two. is isn't it? Yeah. But what was the story before that? Was it the Titanic two? Oh, uh, What's that called? You um, know, with Kylie Minogue. Yeah, the you, Kylie one. Yeah, I'm sure that Alonzo was one of the crew members working on that. He was. Yes, yeah, he was, and then yeah. the end of time part two, he's in that bar. It's a bit like the cantina from Star Wars, all the aliens right. knocking about. And, <laughs> yeah, so when you link it in like that and it's sort of like, yeah, it's a great new adventure, but then we also find out a little bit more. You know, what did happen, you know, after Jack and Alonzo met in the bar? You know, obviously, we know what happened, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. what happened happened after that. So and also Jackie, Jackie's back. That's going to be a good Jackie and
3: Jack together. That would
0: be great. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to this. mate. I think it's going to be a good, a, a really good bunch of stories for, for Captain Jack.
3: Yeah, I am now. I must admit, I hadn't really looked at the, the details of it until till now. Um, but, yeah, I'm liking what I see here. Yeah, definitely get that one. Actually, does no it doesn't say price yet, does it? But no. hopefully, it'll be one of their more reasonable
0: probably <laughs> pre-order, pre-order prices. Yeah. Probably twenty quid pre-order. Yeah, hopefully.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Okay. Um, and in other merch news, uh, Leftbridge Stewart, there's uh, another free download um coming available, uh, with the havoc oh no actually sorry Havoc Files 2 is also on the way so you've got a free download coming out and Havoc Files 2 which is a collection of all the little short stories now I missed out on Havoc Files the first one Mm -hmm. and it goes for ridiculous prices on eBay so I've made sure I've I've pre-ordered this Havoc Files 2 so I'm quite looking forward to it Um, but this free download you can get sounds really good, actually. It's called The Last Duty. Um, and it's a, it's a tribute to Eileen Young, husband, um, who was part of the very important part of the Women's Auxiliary Force during World War II. Mm-hmm. So that's a really nice little tie-in. Um, and you can ob- obviously download this for free from Candy Jar Books. Now, I must get the website right because I... Let me click and it's always pronounce it wrong. How do you say it? It's candy... It's www.candy... What's that middle hyphen called? Candy D?
0: hyphen jar... .co.uk. Yes, that's yes. it. I um, will tell you what, those guys at Candy Jar, especially Andy Frankham Allen and the other authors, and you know everyone else that does the whole left, they are busy people. I really, I know. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not very often, is it, where you have a series of books, you know, that come out in quite short succession. You know that these, what we are now, book six, uh, four, five, six, seven, seven so far, and then the two Havoc files. So it's seven books so mm. far. They've come out in quite a short space of time. Yeah. If you think about um, uh, Game of Thrones, the guy who's was it George R. R. Martin? Um, he hasn't even wrote the book that the you know the latest series. They had to sort of make it up. Well, he used to pull his finger out. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> these guys, they're churning out book after book after book, and not only that, they give away these three stories as well as a download plus they've got like additional you know companion little books that go with it and stuff they really have gone beyond what you would normally see in just a standard run of books you know Mm. um yeah i agree you know we 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 had um uh, andy on the show didn't we uh last year um and that was when the very first book had just come out, or it was about to come out. Just about to come out, I think, or just yeah. no, just come out, yeah, yeah. And you know his level of excitement, you could tell that he was really looking forward to, you know, the stories that were coming up in the series because I think he wrote the first two, and then he was overseeing the rest of them from different authors, isn't it? Um, yeah. So you know, you could tell his excitement and stuff. But I, I wouldn't, I didn't think back then when we very first spoke to him about the first book that it would grow to be this. You know, I mean, the character Lethbridge Stewart is just you can tell that you know Doctor Who fans just adore that character still yeah you know yeah. for them to really release seven books you know a couple of spin-off stories you know digital downloads it's it's great great you know it's a great time you know to get stuck into books about Doctor Who at the moment um, yeah and I would say that Andy Francoman and the other authors Candy Jar they're sort of leading the way you know with you know fleshing out the characters and stuff like that so I just want to say like a huge, you know, thank you and congrats to Andy and the other people at Candy Jar because it must be a lot of work, you know, to push this amount of content out.
3: Yeah, and also I know Andy's very keen on sort of sorting out little inconsistencies that have cropped up, especially in the new series. So he <laughs> unbelievably managed to sort out a little some of the continuity sort of errors and stuff. Um, yeah, what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of love goes into these books. You can tell they're clearly very, very invested in the characters. Yeah. Uh, this free download, The Last Duty, it does uh, fit in um, just after the grandfather infestation, which was uh, book three, I think, in the, in the new sort of... Batch, if you like, so it's quite nice to, to keep them in. For those of us who like to keep them in chronological order, chronological and that wasn't my yeah. that wasn't my Skype messing up. That's me not being able to pronounce the word. So that's that's quite nice as well. Uh, Havoc Files Two, uh, just quickly mentioned as well, is is, is on its way. Uh, these are very limited, so if you want it, get it now. Don't be like me crying that you missed out on on it. Um, uh, and this is a collection of short stories, so they've just released the cover for it. And we always say, don't we? We love the covers of
0: these books. They're, they're just yeah classic and yeah really really cool covers yeah the havoc files too the cover by um adrian salmon just is really good It's it's yeah. great um uh, because they've, they've stuck to the retro sort of old school almost target look and feel yeah um for these they do look great so it's all yeah, good l- stuff for lethbridge stewart
3: i'm looking forward to that being crushed through my letterbox at the
0: <laughs> well whenever it comes out yeah it or just hoied over the fence and just sat in a <laughs> so, rainy yeah. puddle
3: that's
0: right, yeah. <laughs> any day now, yes. yeah. Right, so that is news and merch. Mm-hmm. Uh, right-y-o, Adam. <laughs> Hold on, let me get into my hang high-pitched on, mode. Hang on, yeah. <laughs> hang on. Actually, doesn't do, he hasn't got a, his suit on, so he doesn't do any lapel stroking in this. Um, because he's got sort of Roman robe. Mm. I
3: thought they might clutch the old robes at one point, I think, in that
1: style.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, Adam. Anyway, what going to review this week? This week, first Doctor adventure: The Romans.
1: Maximus, my dear, oh, my dear, Caesar Nero! <laughs> I have a surprise for you. Guess what it is? Well, now let me think. Ah, uh, you want me to play in the arena? Hmm? <laughs> you guessed. But well, it's no problem at all. After all, you want to do your very best for your fellow artists. <laughs> Why not the arena? Hmm. <laughs> y- yes, yes, of course, that, that, that is exactly right. Yes, well, I promise you I shall try to make it a roaring success. You'll mm. have to play something special, you know. Oh, yes, of course, of course, yes, something serious, yes. Something that they can really get their teeth into. Hmm? Oh. no, you can't. I've told no one. See, I've always wanted to put on a good show, to give a great performance. But after all, who knows, if I go down well, I might even make it. My farewell performance. (laughs) You see, I've always wanted to be considered as an artist of some taste. Generally regarded as, uh, well, uh, palatable. hmm? But I must be bored. Oh, I must. Surely you have so many other important things to attend to without standing here, chewing over the facts with me. Good gracious, there's something burning. My plans, my drawings for the new Rome. You fool, you idiot! And lifetime's worth! Oh, I'll have you both
3: killed all <laughs> now, uh, surely you've just accidentally played a clip from a carry-on movie, haven't you? It, By you'd, mistake. You'd think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd
0: think so. Ah, right. The Romans. the Romans. The one that Adam forgot about. Yes. <laughs> so, this was first broadcast... In January 1965. Wow, uh, As a four-parter. It was written by Dennis Spooner and directed by Christopher Barry.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: produced obviously by Verity Lambert. Ah, oh, wonderful. Um, and also by Mervyn Pinfield as well. Um, mm. So the room, the Romans mm. um, plot is thus: uh, the TARDIS makes a very very uh, wonky landing. <laughs> Those of you that have seen, you know, plenty of the original, um, sorry, the original, the early Doctor Who, like the Hartnell and Trout and stuff, um, they used this very lovely little model of the TARDIS. It must only be the size of a a mug of tea. Um, It's this tiny little model that hasn't got much detail on it at all. Um, And it's, uh, you know, because back in the day, like sort of camera perspective and all that stuff just wasn't really, you know, where it is today. Although it looks pretty well done, you can tell a mile off it's a, it's a miniature model. It looks very, yeah. it's funny, but it's cool. Um, so you see the TARDIS sort of rocking off the edge of this cliff, you know, forward and back. Um, and um, the Doctor and his companions, they escape <laughs> before it sort of tumbles down into the valley. Um, and then quite, quite surprisingly and quite randomly, we don't actually see them, you know, out on the cliffside, you know or anything like that the next time we see them they're all in roman robes sort of lounging around in this lovely villa somewhere eating grapes and drinking wine and you think okay so they're obviously in in rome hence the name uh the title sorry um yeah and uh they sort of just set up camp in this villa you know just kind of
3: needed a like two weeks later caption or something doesn't
0: it because it does just sort of cut to it yeah so you see them in the tardis and then you see the outside view of the TARDIS with it sort of rocking over the edge of the cliff. And then it sort of tumbles down. And then we see them all dressed up in Roman robes, lounging around. So yeah, yeah absolutely. We need like a, you know, few weeks later <laughs> sort of thing? And then, yeah. Um, so they're living their life of Riley, basically. They've got no commitment. They've got no responsibility. They're all just, you know, wandering around the lovely gardens and eating grapes. But then the story splits off into two parts quite quickly. So <sighs> we have the Doctor Who is Confused. Um, sorry, somebody confuses the Doctor for another person. So um, there's this old sort of uh, uh, important person who lives outside of Rome somewhere, and he's he's on his way into Rome to kill Nero. Um, and while he's en route, um, uh, he gets killed by this sort of assassin um but then the doctor who looks exactly like this person who is on his way to kill Nero sort of takes up his role. And this person, you know, <laughs> every, everyone thinks that he's this assassin that's been sent to kill Nero. Um, so he sort of gets drafted into this story of um, a sort of conspiracy. There's a guy that works, you know, within the Roman government that you know knows about this person, um, Maximus Petullian. The doctor takes up his name. Uh, he knows about him going to kill Nero. So he sort of aids there. And the doctor's completely baff- you know, baffled. He's like, you know, there's a couple of times where he's like, you know, why would I kill Nero? And why would I do this? He's just sort of enjoying life. Um, and he's, he, it's, it's him and Vicky. So they, them two sort of pair off together. And then the other mm. side of the story that happens quickly is Ian and Barbara. Um, uh, uh, Ian gets captured shoved into the cells Um, and then his story is basically gladiator
4: yeah (laughs) if you've seen
0: if you've seen a russell crowe movie gladiator that's basically what happens to ian Um, he gets captured gets made a slave he escapes he gets locked up again then he finds out that he's going to get thrown into the arena to compete for his life and all the rest of it so he's basically gladiator and then barbara she gets enslaved and she has to you know she's one of the um sort of one of the royal ladies or the royal girls who are just there to serve the emperor and so on um and it's funny because in this story the two of them never coincide throughout the entire story No, they don't so what they get they get split up at the beginning so the doctor and vicky they go off he gets then sort of caught up in that whole whirlwind of people mistaking him for somebody else like this elaborate musician that plays in front of you know the caesar but you know really he's there to kill him but the doctor really doesn't know any of that he just gets sort of Taken away with it all. And then Barbara and Ian, they get captured, enslaved, and they're trying to escape at every turn. Um, And then, right at the end, very comically, you know, they're all back in the villa and the doctor comes in and just assumes that they've been lounging around for two weeks, you know, still eating grapes and drinking wine. And then, you know, and then they're off.
3: The the whole place burns down.
0: Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that's one thing. It's one of those kind of educational stories from early Doctor Who. It's based. It, it's mm. it's based loosely. Very thinly. Yeah, it's very loosely based on uh, the Caesar Nero um, and his um, very publicly sort of mental health issues. He's a bit nutty, isn't he, Nero? He's a crazy... Mm. He's basically insane. And his master plan is to burn down all of Rome so that he can rebuild it to be a better Rome. Yes. Um, and which the doctor causes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so this is yeah we'll come on to that in a little while but you know essentially the doctor's responsible for you know all of rome burning down which he very quickly disputes and then <laughs> turns around but that's the romans in a nutshell yeah um, in a <laughs> nutshell it sounds confusing the way the probably the way i've described it. it's confusing but it isn't really it just you just have to uh follow the two parallel stories you know, because they don't intertwine. They very There's a couple of times where they very Almost, you think they're going to bump into each other, but they don't. So it's yeah, a story too halves. I, I keep
3: thinking, really. "Oh, come on!" Yeah, it yeah, like they never quite, never quite meet, do they? Never the twain shouldn't meet. No.
0: Mm. Uh, it's a story of two halves for sure. So, um, what do you reckon, buddy? Uh, you know, I said I couldn't remember this story. <laughs> <laughs> Can ever remember seeing it. Now I know
3: why. <laughs> no, actually, it's um, it's it's not too bad. It, it's got some nice little moments in there. Hartnell just seems to be having an absolute ball in it. He he seems to be loving this story. Um, I, I was okay till I got to episode three. I'll be honest. Maybe I shouldn't have watched it all in one go, but I I found it a bit hard going. I I think the first two episodes are right, but episode three just turns into this farce where barbara's being chased around a stone table for nearly the entire episode by this this sort of carry-on character and i was just thinking oh for goodness sake
4: mm-hmm.
3: um and then it kind of wraps up and yeah i, I don't know it's <laughs> it's not up there with the best let's put it that way but it's certainly not the worst it's quite quite an easy enough watch i think mainly because of heart he's just uh <laughs> yeah he's just so funny in it so yeah it it's all right it's not it's enjoyable enough, I thought, yeah. but uh, but it's also not great. Yeah, mm-hmm. what do you
0: think? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's um, uh, like you said, it's certainly not up there with one of the you know any of the best sort of Hartnell stories. Um, but Hartnell's having a time of his life. He seems to be loving it. If if anyone's uh, any of our listeners who have seen this, you probably agree with that. And if you haven't seen it, and then you go to watch this one. You would think that Hartnell's just had, you know, several brandies before <laughs> shooting this because um, he's just loving it. He, you know, he's, he's in a great mood throughout pretty much the entire he really story. He is. Yeah. It, 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 you've, you've heard us say before when we reviewed Hartnell stories that we love the way that Hartnell portrayed the Doctor with this sort of lovable old um, sort of wise old granddad sort of thing you know he's a bit grouchy now and then he's a bit grumpy he, mm. he can snap at you at times and stuff like this but you don't get any of that really in this story do you he's on cloud 9
3: he's like yeah it's it's a very very light-hearted story it's um the tone of it is quite unusual i am surprised i genuinely did forget this story because uh, even watching it again uh yesterday or day before whenever it was it's um it struck me that I didn't. It was like watching, like I'd never seen it, um, mm. and I must have watched it for. So I was actually, in many ways, quite enjoying it. it was almost like watching it for the first time. Um, and Hartnell, just yeah, it's it's very different in terms of his characters. And he's normally very grumpy and touchy. In this, he's almost laughing and joking every two minutes, and uh, yeah. he even gets into a fight. And he and he's absolutely loving it, and he? he's like, "I'll show you." Throwing the guy around the room, yeah, and I was thinking, yeah. what's good? This is not the this is not the Doctor. What is going on here? Um But there are some moments when he slips back into just every now and again, he, he just you get a split second of him turning. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't be silly, child. Now come along, and then he sort of and then he goes back to this very light hearted Doctor. Um, and do you know what? It it made for quite a refreshing change in that mm-hmm. respect. It was really good to see Hartnell just
0: just um just having fun uh yeah, you know yeah. and um yeah it's yeah interesting that's the thing it's, it's definitely a a change of pace um, oh, definitely yeah the, the pace it is strange yeah. yeah um it's almost like they sat down and said right we've you know we've had a lot of requests <laughs> it's mm. almost like it's almost like a radio station can you play this song so we've had like we've had loads of requests for you know Hartnell to be a bit more funny you know so let's do a bit of a a wacky <laughs> let's do a bit of a wacky story um and just see how it goes um and i think you read a quote to me didn't you from from where was it uh last week and like audience re- reception oh so. they
3: did it yeah because they used to do sort of um this sort of thing back in the day. Um, hang on, I'll find it for you. Yeah, it, was- it was a test audience, wasn't it? BBC test audience um, at the time gave the, the gave a strong negative reaction uh, when being shown this. And uh, to quote, they called it so ridiculous that it's a bore. <laughs> this shows at the time and suitable only for morons was that was the feedback they got from uh, from the test audience at the time. So. Mm. Yeah. i wouldn't say i think that's a little harsh i have to say although i don't think it's great i don't think it's that bad and i and i no. kind of applaud it for trying to do something different which is something doctor who does even to this day you know we try and think how can we keep the show fresh how can we do something just a little bit a- out there um and i think that's what they were trying to do with this they thought right let's just do something a little bit different we haven't done before mm. um and although it doesn't really work it's uh it works
0: enough to to make it watchable yeah, yeah. And that's interesting as well because what they did back in the day, it was like, right, let's try this. And this clearly didn't work that well because from this moment on, we don't really get that carry on vibe, you know, that strange, wacky, you know, almost slapstick humor mm. in any of the others. So what they've done is they've, they've done it and they've like, right, it's you know, the, the test stuff wasn't great, but, you know, sod them. We're going to put it out anyway. It goes out, gets really good reviews. Um, in the papers and stuff but it doesn't really blow their socks off in terms of audience reception you know Mm -hmm. it just does fairly well so they're like okay we've done that you know now let's you know let's get back on track with what we were doing originally with this plan for the doctor and his character and so on um you don't see that really these days do you especially with the moth you know because what will happen is he'll write a capaldi episode and um well he sorry Somebody will write a Capaldi episode and he'll produce it and then they'll put it out. And then it seems like the majority of Doctor Who fandom completely hate it. Completely hate it. And it gets mm. badly reviewed and all the rest of it. And he's like, ah, let's just do that again. <laughs> you know, let's just. <laughs> let's have Sleep No More Part 2. Yeah, let's just mm. go down this road again because we know that everyone hated it. We know that it got bad reviews. We know that even the people who were making the show didn't like it. But let's do it again. It's called so, being stubborn. Yeah, so they didn't yeah. have that back then. It was like, right, we've tried it, we've done it. It did okay, but let's just get back on to what we, you know. So I, I I sort of picked up on that. And when I finished watching part four, I was like, that would not happen at the minute. You know, it would just, you know, that we've seen in series nine. It's just, let's just carry on you know yeah, you're, keep, you're gonna like it one way or the other you will like it. this yeah
3: i'm gonna show you how wrong you are because yeah. i mean this is early day this is what this is the second series of Doctor Who we're into now isn't that's it That's right. yep. um this would have been series two so yeah still sort of relatively early days i guess in that sense yeah, yeah and, a, and Vic mm-hmm. is uh Vic is a new newish companion as well i think this, this is only a second story so um this is why I wanted to go back and watch the rescue because I wanted to see how she was introduced because again I can't really remember the these two stories a, at all um so so um she's quite new in it I think mm-hmm. and Hartnell seems to take to her almost straight away doesn't he he seems to t- to work quite well with her actually I wouldn't
0: necessarily know it's her second story from from this No it's um yeah I, I can't remember how Vicky how did Vicky get into the uh
3: it. she's sort of um well I think everyone on the planet that they're on dies and she's so so the doctor kinda takes her under her, her wing. I think um as I say, I need to go back and rewatch uh, the rescue. I might do it this afternoon if I get time. Oh um, that's
0: right. Yeah, she um, yeah. yeah, she uh and she she helps Barbara, doesn't she? So Yeah. I think Barbara's like in a bad way in that story and Vicky finds her and helps her out and yeah. Um so yeah, it's uh it's a strange I, I find this quite a strange sort of team of companions this one because when you had ian and barbara with the doctor and susan and susan um that was quite that was quite a good dynamic i thought because of susan's relation to the doctor yeah you know and um when we go back to a, when we get into another four piece with vicky and ian and barbara um i just i always get a feeling that vicky just feels like a spare part
3: yeah i know what you mean it's almost you know, like they thought oh we need to fill that gap but yeah, yeah i do yeah. know what you're saying yeah
0: yeah absolutely it's like well you know susan you know did very well you know we had some great stories of that dynamic so let's try and fill that with somebody and it yeah mm-hmm. it just feels like they she's in there for the sake of being in there um because she doesn't really do a huge amount does she she sort of follows the doctor around and
3: Actually, she gets hardly anything to do in this story, does
0: she? I'm just thinking now. I can't think of anything yeah. she does do. She kind of follows the Doctor around. The only um, one thing she does is she swaps the, the, the Emperor's um, sort of wines over to try and poison him. Oh, yeah, and well, ends up poisoning that other poor bloke. Yeah, so when she's in that oh. room and she's being shown around by the uh, chemist woman. Oh, yeah. Uh, sort of alchemist. Uh, woman, you know, mixing all the potions and stuff. She sort of thought, oh, "I've got a plan here," but that's all she really does. You know, it's, you know, she just sort of follows the doctor around. Doesn't really do much. So it's a bit of a spare part, in my opinion. But
3: yeah, that is true. the The only good thing is that the scenes with her and, and the doctor are really sweet. That's the only thing I would say. They, that's what I mean when I said they gel together. Um, the scenes between her and Hartnell are really nice. But yeah, they are. They don't do anything in terms of moving the story on or or giving her
0: anything to do. That is true. Yeah. 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 Um, Right, so sort of story elements and so on. Mm. Um, The story as a whole, like we've said, it's kind of educational. Um, It's set, you know, in the right period of Rome. It has got, you know, sort of real characters. So Caesar Nero and, you know, he was a real Caesar who was insane and all that stuff. Um, And Rome did burn to the ground and it was rebuilt. So it's just they've sort of injected sort of some, you know, a, a sort of, funny way about going it about getting there if that makes sense so um you know the whole reason why um uh, rome did burn to the ground is because the doctor inadvertently you know burnt all of the maps and plans for the new rome (laughs) because he's standing in that clip that we played before we started that's when the doctor's standing there and his glasses Mm -hmm. are magnifying the sun onto the map and it burns and when Uh, Nero sees all of those plans you know going up in you know that gives him the idea you know I'm just going to burn all of Rome to the ground and you know I have no choice but to rebuild it so the doctor's sort of responsible if you like and Vicky actually says to him when they're out in the countryside looking across and they see Rome in flames you know she's like this is you know I read people have read about this in books for thousands of years and I'm here watching it (laughs) you know and the doctor's like yes yes you know he's all sort of proud of his history he's like you know the great fire and all the rest of it and she's like yeah that you created sort of thing and he's like i did not i had nothing so
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's what i mean about those one an example of those great little scenes between the two of them i did not
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and she's like you know we'll agree to disagree and walks off and he's like nope we'll settle this now and then he sort of has this (laughs) realization over his face like oh yeah maybe i did Mm -hmm. and then he sort of starts giggling as he walks off he's laughing he's like yes you know potentially burn thousands of people to their death while rome's just you know in cinders but you know it's a good day it's a good day to be the doctor it's that kind of (laughs) yeah so So it's educational it is Mm -hmm. educational to a degree you know there are you know uh historical stuff in there that did actually happen it's just intertwined with some comedic storytelling is the best way i can describe it
3: yeah it's got some it's got some serious um ideas going on in there like the slavery and things like that quite dark sort of storyline mixed with some very comical slapstick it's a it's a real strange dynamic i think in this story but uh, but it it just about works i think it just about pulls it off i think yeah just about i'm just wondering i did find myself laughing a lot but i don't know if it was actually at, at the humor or whether i was just laughing at sort of like you know some of it was quite bad. I don't, I don't know if I was necessarily always laughing for the right reasons at it. I have to say that. But um, but yeah, some of the humour in it is, is quite funny. It is nice to see the TARDIS team just relaxing. I did think that, you know, like you said, how it cuts to them just like lounging around eating some weird food. Mm-hmm. What do they have? They have some really weird stuff and the Doctor's like barbara um tells her off doesn't she? she's like ants boiled ants or something i don't That's know they're right, eating yeah. all sorts of weird stuff
4: yeah. um
3: but it is quite it is quite nice just to see them land and you know and setting up camp and mm-hmm. you know having a nice relaxing time um i think one of the things that does let this this story down for me is the cliffhangers i actually thought because i uh, that was pretty sort of engrossed in the story. I did sort of now and again, check the phone, but, um, mainly episode three, but, but the cliffhangers when like the first cliffhanger as well, I thought I'd missed something. I was like, is that, the, that can't be the cliffhanger. Ah, it right. just
4: ended. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. There's, there's, the cliffhangers are really weak in this story. So I'm, I am surprised that the viewers came back the following week. Cause there's no sense of danger really at all in mm. any of the cliffhangers. I don't think Cause the end of the worst, um, the worst sort of bit of danger is poor old Marbara being chased by that lech. That's the most sort of um, uh, disturbing thing in the story, I Nero. think. Nero. Nero, yeah. He's after her, yeah. He takes a shower. I know, that's horrible. Her. I feel really sorry for her. He's old not um, he? Yeah.
0: But apart from that, the cliffhanger is a, a, a weakest dishwater. Yeah, they're not what we're used to seeing. in Because um, we like a good cliffhanger. And yeah. typically, classic Who is littered with them. But I think perhaps the direction's a
3: little bit to blame because mm. when episode two kicks off, the guy lunges towards the doctor with a knife. And I thought, well, that's where they should have, that's where they should have had the cliffhanger, not when he's just about to walk through a curtain, if you know <laughs> what I mean. So maybe it's down to the direction more than anything
0: um, with the cliffhangers. Yeah. Um, it is a shame, actually, because that can really, that can really help you along. If, mm. if you're struggling with a classic Who, and it, especially if it's more, if it's four parts or more, and you're sort of struggling a little bit, they can sort of help pick you up a little bit. So at the end, you're like, you know what, mm. what you know, or even if you've seen it before, it's quite good because it's like you know, this is a great ending. You know, let's crack on with the next part. But these ones, they are dull, aren't they? Nothing really they happens. Um, there. Thank goodness it's only a four-parter,
3: because if it had been a six-parter, this would have struggled big time. Um, As I said, episode three is pretty weak, actually. Um, I think the first two are okay. They're enough to sort of make you go on to the next episode. But, yeah, I could have quite easily sort of um,
0: had a break after episode three uh, before getting into four. Yeah. Indeedy. Um, So, yeah, it's uh, the direction. Yeah, the direction was a little bit...
3: It's Christopher Barry, isn't it? He's done quite a lot on Dot2 over the years. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, nothing very exciting going on with the direction, I have to say. No, it was a little bit flat um, Mm. throughout. I think that's because it's predominantly all set-based, wasn't it? It's all set, yeah. Yeah, so they're just sort of walking from one side of the set to the other, having a conversation as they go. And the only times that we really got any um, sort of direction as such, you know, out of the norm, um, I would say... Um, would be the scenes on the boat, you know, where Ian is with all the other slaves and they're rowing off yeah. somewhere. That looks quite good. Um, and also the scene. No, nah, I mean, even, yeah, I mean, even like the slapstick, like the comedy thing where Nero's chasing Barbara and they're sort of going, he's sort of behind this door and then out the other one and she runs around the little table and he falls over. <laughs> you know, that's okay. But even then it's still a little bit, it's just the camera following somebody quite statically. There's no, you know, dynamic, nice camera sweeps or zooms in or anything like that. It's just like yeah. it's, it's almost like someone's there with a with a home video recorder. And it's like a found footage thing. It's like there you go, yeah. that'll do. Yeah, so I mean, I know the flat.
3: cameras were very heavy back then, but yeah, there's no,
0: there's no spark to the direction I have to say in this one. Yeah, sorry, Christopher. Sorry. Yes. Um. And so, in terms of um, the education, the educational stuff aside, um, in terms of just the Doctor Who story, um. It's pretty good, I would say. It's just you know, as a story in Doctor Who, it's um, it's nothing groundbreaking, but at the same mm-hmm. time, it's quite entertaining. I don't mean the, I don't mean the humour side of it. I mean it's quite, because we have these two stories running parallel with each other, it is quite, you know, you do think to yourself, you know, where where does this lead to? You know, do they meet up halfway through and then sort of battle through? But I like that they kept those two things separate right until the end. Yeah. Because yeah, it's almost like a bit yeah. of a soap opera mentality. You know, you've got this sort of bunch of stuff happening, but it's also, you know, linked, you know, entirely to the other story, the other bunch of stuff happening. And they sort of go back and forth between the two. So it's not too bad in terms of story. No, um, there's
3: enough going on to, to to keep it afloat. Yeah. Just um, about.
0: Just about. Just enough about. Down.
3: Yeah, I was going to say just about. What
0: is going on with
3: that scene with the harp, though? I, I honestly thought... There was a fault with my DVD when the doctor starts playing the harp and there's no sound um, because it goes on for ages. And I was thinking, it's, it's, I was thinking is, is, the, is the audio track gone? What's happened? Because um, what's meant to be happening is people, are, <laughs> there's some sort of reference to the emperor's new clothes, isn't there? Or something. Mm-hmm. He's He's pretending to play the harp and people are pretending to love it. But he's not actually playing it. But I, I really didn't understand that scene at all.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, basically a trick from the. So he he can't play. How it. do
3: they know how to play a
0: lot with the trick? Has he been round and told them all or what? Well, he's just. Well, the doctor's just very educated on like the social, you know, side of things. Educa- you know, right. around it. so he basically tricks them to say because before he starts playing, he says something like, "Only people with a keen ear for something will be able to hear like you know the lovely melodies or something." so he pretends to play it and because you're in like the you know the presence of the emperor and you're obviously quite important you don't want to look like an idiot in front of everybody so you just pretend you're like oh yeah sounds really good and then you whisper to someone else this is very good yeah this is very good (laughs) just because all of you you know you don't want to lose face you know you don't want to be the one person who can't hear the good music but
3: it is funny how cross nero gets i mean that did make me laugh
0: he's like oh you damn you doctor Yeah, yeah he's like um he, he, he was sort of pulled out of a Flash Gordon. <laughs> um,
3: Isn't he actually, is he actually a carry-on actor? Um, um, what's his name? Derek, Derek Francis. Francis, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. He's I'm sure I've a... seen him in something like that. Uh, oh, wow, he's, yeah, he's, he is. He's in, he's in Carry On Loving and uh, carry, carry On Doctor. Doctor. He is yeah. in a few carry-ons, but he looks, um, he looks a lot younger in this. That's probably,
0: because I thought he looked familiar. He's in most but, of you know, them.
3: Gosh, carry, she's on matron, carry, ons. carry on, carry oh, on abroad. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. That does
0: make sense now, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a comedic actor because even <laughs> even when he's trying to be serious, he's got this face, isn't he? Where he's doing like a sort of even when he's doing a frown, he's doing like a yeah. like a comedy frown. Yeah, yeah, he's doing he's, that. Yeah, patron. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> if there's like we said, there's enough to keep you going. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of intermingled with, you know, this kind of humor that you just haven't seen on, I mean, if you were watching this, you know, in 1965, you would have absolutely thought, well, this is very different, Mm, you know, I've never seen this in Doctor Who yet, you know, this sort of carry on vibe. Um, but fortunately it's not, um, it's not all the way through. You know, there are just sort of pockets of it in sort of two or three moments in each episode where it's like, wow, that's very carry on. But then the rest of it is quite serious, you know, because let's not forget that, you know, Ian's life is in mortal danger. From
3: a from a lion.
0: Yeah. Well, for Hmm. most of the episode, you know, a
3: stock footage lion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, and that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: um, And then Barbara, she's enslaved as well. She's going to end up just being, you know, Nero's little plaything by the look of it. Mm. Um, so there not, are...
3: if, not if nero's wife has anything to oh, do oh yeah though. she's not jealous, very happy
0: no the wife right. is not her indoors no. she's got a face like a slapped bum isn't she yeah <laughs> she <laughs> don't like barbara right um so there are some serious elements to it you know because you do think like you know because there was there was a point where i thought about the doctor i thought are you going to pull your finger out because if you don't do something soon barb um uh, Yeah, Barbara's just going to end up, you know, a complete mess from being, you know, interfered with by Nero, by the look of it. Um, And Ian's going to get bumped off. Yeah. The whole time he's just wandering around, giggling away to himself, (laughs) you know, just pretending to play instruments and just getting himself involved in all sorts. Um, Yeah, so I did think to myself, you know, are you actually going to do anything? Because, you know, (laughs) you're meant to be like the guy. You're meant to be the one that's going to save everybody. And But, yeah.
3: See, I thought, I thought Chesterton would because uh, quite often Chesterton steps up and takes that sort of heroic role in the show, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Doctor tends to just sort of meddle in things. Um, but it, it's nice to see them in different costumes, I have to say. that Again, that sort of makes it more interesting seeing them all dressed up in this Roman get-up, um, especially Hartnell looks looks fantastic in his oh, yeah. Ro- yeah. robe and all that. And, uh, and Ian gets his hair done. Uh, in a roman style uh, which is fun so it's nice to see them
0: yeah in in a different costume the costumes were great actually the scene Mm. the scene at the beginning at the end when they're in their little sort of holiday villa yeah um they look great in there all the you know the proper roman robes everything they look really good Mm. Um, technically squatters but yeah technically yeah (laughs) intruders yeah um and then (laughs) like various points um throughout the episode you think well you know that looks authentically you know roman that looks really good Mm. um so and the sets were quite good as well the opening set when they're walking through the market um at the beginning that looked really good
3: yeah um, i have to say i quite like the um the stool the lady on the stool actually for for considering she's in such a small part mm-hmm. you know the one that keeps asking for more money to give information yes she's really cool she's a really good little um good little character she is like in terms of her acting i liked liked her little performance she stood she stood out to me considering she's only in that little bit
0: yeah she was good. like
3: yeah. very subtle yeah not over the top yeah
0: mm. she's played by margot thomas she only had yeah. a little part but she was good yeah and I her face her. yeah like at the end where she keeps during that conversation she sort of um it's the centurion guy isn't it he's like probing her for information and she sort of stops at intervals and holds her hand out she's like well I need a bit more if I'm going to release She's in that. In half bit. a sentence and then just holds her hand. I love yeah. that. And at yeah. the end, um, she holds her hand out, you know, for that last coin, and he's just like that. Ah. Then she sort of had this miserable frown in her and walks away. Like <laughs> you know, I could have got an extra one there.
4: Yeah,
0: there's a great scenes, little scenes like that. Actually, um, some great stuff. But the mar- like the set, as they were walking through the market, It wasn't very big, but you know, it looked it looked good on screen
3: yeah no the sets are all all fairly yeah fairly good in this pretty pretty decent they were
0: good um Mm. the outside sets were a bit me um basically it was basically it was just a bush
3: oh well that's (laughs) yeah yeah there's a bush, and you can see the 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 flat screen at the back you can see like the the creases in the cover you know um but then again i suppose back in the day you wouldn't have seen that on your little TVs, but now in DVD you can see all the crinkles and the yeah. cloth and,
0: and all that. Yeah, a, yeah your little 12-inch CRT tube you TV in black and white. That. You wouldn't notice, would you? No.
3: But what, that poor old guy gets bumped off at the beginning and then the doctor finds him, just nicks his harp and walks yeah. off.
0: You've got to feel a little bit sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the guy. That's the guy um, who is actually the assassin who was on his way to kill Nero. That was Maximus Petulian. Yeah. And it's, uh, they, the Roman soldiers find the doctor near the, you know, near the scene, don't they? Um, and he just goes with it. He just assumes that, that person's persona and it's just off. And that's how he gets into the story pretty much, isn't it? Yeah. And he just, yeah, away he goes. And he just doesn't stop giggling and laughing from that point on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, are there any scenes that stood out to you in this or any, um, because there wasn't really any sort of scenes really that stood out. Even I, I was looking forward to the fight scene with Ian and his mate. You know, he's, he gets enslaved with this guy that he makes friends with and they sort of hatch a plan to escape off the boat and oh, so on. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And it comes, you know, I think it's episode three or the beginning of episode four. You know, they get told that they're going to be thrown into the arena, which is basically the arena, which is just sort of, you know, hmm. half a very small room with some sand sprinkled over the floor, <laughs> bless them. Um, they get told that they have to fight each other to the death, don't they? And I thought, right, this could be a good tear-up because we've seen Ian get into a couple of good scraps, haven't we? Always good in a scrap. Yeah. yeah, so I thought that was going to be a good tear-up, but yeah, uh, it was just like sort of to-and-throw. Oh, no, rubbish. Hit his shield,
3: I, yeah. Oh, I, I must admit, I never look forward to a fight scene in, in 60s Doctor Who. Um he, I have to say, considering... <laughs> <laughs> considering hartnell did his own fight scene oh um, that was great it was so funny not intentionally uh, but it's just so funny seeing hartnell throwing this bloke around the room um but yeah fight scenes in doctor who in the 60s yeah not normally great i can't can't think of many that stand up uh the test of time and that one with ian is certainly not not one of the
0: best yeah no. i would say that the fight scene with the doctor was better. better, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, because he goes for it for an old chap. Well, he's. Probably, I can't think
3: of many fight scenes with Hartnell. I think perhaps when he read that in the script, his little face probably lit up. He's like, "Oh, got a fight scene this week! I'm going to go for it." You know, because <laughs> yeah. uh, they don't
0: give him a stunt double or anything. He does it all himself. Oh, he does, yeah. And um, I mean, sort of the guy sort of lunges towards him, and he he sort of sidesteps nice and quick, and then he throws the blanket over him, and you know. <laughs> Pushes him over and he's, he's the up. Window. Yeah, he's up for it, isn't he as well because I think Ooh. when he's fighting him, he says something to him. He says, um, "What does he say? He's like come on, come and have a go if you think you're harder.'" Yeah, enough. he's got that guy. pretty much. <laughs> he's got the banter going on, hasn't he?
3: Yeah, um, that is what I love about this. Actually, so much banter from the Doctor in it. It really does help to bring the episode up. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Top banter. Top banter. Yeah. Hartnell.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about some characters in this. Yeah. Um, so we have like. Um, some very small characters littered throughout. We have the centurion soldiers who don't really. Is it these two guys at the beginning? You mean? Yeah, they sort of yeah. wander around the market and what, you know. The, they... what,
3: what happens to them? Because they, I thought they were going to be important to the story, but they kind of fizzle out after episode two, don't
0: they? I... Yeah, they they have a couple of conversations with Nero, and then you mm. know they go off to do something. You don't really see them after that. I think 'cause
3: what, I thought one of them was going to be like a villain from mm. the way he was acting. He seemed like he was going for that sort of, I'm the main villain in this. But he's not, is he? Neither of them are, actually.
0: No, not really. No. Um, and then we have the, the lady on the store. She was quite good at the beginning. She's good. Yeah, I like her. Um, we have the other lady who we see mixing up all the poisons and potions. And she gets very... That, was that scene where the emperor's wife... So basically, the emperor's wife has said, you know, I want you to kill this Barbara woman yeah with the poison and it's vicky that over you know that susses it out and she swaps them round so that it would be nero that drinks it but yeah. because that happened she sort of storms in and she's like i won't tolerate failure and all that like and there's a there's a bit where she shoves her towards the two guards that come into the doorway and she properly yeah she, she goes falls to the it. floor yeah she properly yeah. throws this woman but um yeah she was uh she was quite good she I felt the for her. Yeah. yeah yeah um and then we have, um, I mean, there's loads of other people. There's, um, I mean, there's characters who are called Lacusta, Ascarius, Didius, uh, Sevakria, and Delos. I have no idea who they were in the story. Uh, me either, Eve, actually, I was just thinking <laughs> that when you
3: were saying it, I was thinking, God, we're not going to ask you about them because I don't remember them. Yeah. Uh, they must be just sort of minor oh they're probably like i mean there was the guy on the boat wasn't there who gets a bit it's probably one of them's him you know the guy that ian
0: tries to trick yeah i can't remember his name in it though no, was it he's delos one of those. might be delos um mm. uh, but the other ones yeah i think they're just a very small speaking parts so i can't really remember their importance within the story i'm afraid no, um, no then we have a guy called tavius um and he's the guy that's sort of embedded within uh, uh sort of the the government he, he, like, sort of works for Nero. He's in, like, you know, a parliament sort of thing. Oh, and that's he's right, the yeah. guy that's in cahoots with the original um, Maximus Petulian, the guy that's coming to, to Rome to kill Nero. They yeah. two sort of had that plan together. So he's the one that, you know, he says to the doctor, you know, he, he's got plans to do X, Y, and Z, so you need to get a move on and kill him now, you know, kill him soon. Mm. And that's when the doctor's like, kill him? Oh, why on earth want I do that? You know, he's he doesn't get it you know he sort of he sort of half rolls with it he's like okay yeah I'll well, you know I'll sort it out um but tavius is unaware he thinks that is the proper maximus Petullian. yeah and so and he takes a liking to barbara as well a little bit doesn't he he sort of helps her out that's right yeah because i think he's it's him or the the house that he lives in they they purchase barbara as a slave don't they yeah um right. and then he's yeah he sort of helps her out a little bit and yeah, poor so he's quite a good character. Yeah, poor old Bob, mm. old Babs, <laughs> old Babs. Yeah, um, and uh, Nero, the emperor. Actually, no, let's talk about his wife first. Cool, uh, old sour face. Yeah, she's um, uh, Sabina Papoia Sabina. Uh, it was her character name. She's played by played by Kay Patrick, um, and she played the jealous, miserable wife pretty well. Yeah, she did. I yeah, would say. yeah. Yeah, I believed her. I believed her. It was almost like she had a ruck with her real husband before she left. Yeah, or the night (laughs) before. So when she got there, you know, you could tell that she's not in the mood for playing wifey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is great because I think that's exactly how, you know, she was written. She was basically aware that as the emperor, he had like his little floozes knocking about, you know, that he could, you know, do what he wanted when he wanted. And she was just of the you know the wife that had to look like the happy proud emperor's wife to the public and stuff yeah. but in reality she was miffed especially <laughs> when Barbara turned up she was oh, like no no, it no looks good no, no. kill it looks good kill yeah she'd be stabbed twice wouldn't she <laughs> and it's not really barbara's fault you feel really sorry for barbara one. you do because yeah i was it's gonna not, say she gets a rough deal yeah because it's not like she's all flirty with nero and all over him you know she's basically it's the opposite she can't wait to get away from him exactly yeah she looks petrified and doesn't want to be there but no <laughs> his missus she's like i'll have you <laughs> <laughs> i've got your number i've got your number yeah so she was good and then nero himself the carry on guy
3: I actually thought he was quite good. I actually quite liked uh, Derek Francis as Nero. Um, he, considering hmm. I, in the carry-on films, he probably turns out to 11. Uh, I think in this, he, he did manage to sort of keep, um, keep it serious and comedy at the same time. I thought he was all
0: right. I actually quite like him, his performance in this, yeah? Hmm. yeah. Well, the thing is with... I imagine that when he got the script and he read through it, and when he was talking through it with the people who making it, the director especially... He probably had a bit of a get out of jail free card Mm. because it's well documented that um, Nero was a complete um, just mentalist. You know, he was actually, you know, if he, you know, alive today, he would be clinically insane. Yeah. You know, he was just off his head completely. So although he does dial it up, you know, from time to time and he does go a bit wacky and, you know, he's probably like, well, that's maybe how Nero would have been. You know, he would have been like a sort of semi schizophrenic all over the place, you know, a bit of a bit of a nut job. Yeah. Um, so he probably is like, well, I can play it however I want then, because, you know, he was, it was documented that this guy was insane. But, you know, exactly how he was day to day, I do it how I want. So if I want to go really funny and wacky, I'll do that. If I want to be, you know, a bit more somber, then I'll do that as well. So he probably just did it how he wanted. He has got one of those faces, hasn't
3: he, that you kind of expect him to sort of break out into, misses any minute. Yeah. He just keeps sort of pulling those sort of faces. I do love that. I mean, I feel sorry for Barbara being chased around the room by him all the time. But um, I do like the scenes of him and Hartnell as well. Uh, I like the way he plays the whole jealousy thing. that uh, like Hartnell's uh, right. getting that reaction. You know, they're quite funny. So, yeah, I thought he was quite good in it.
0: Yeah, I quite liked him. And he reads Hartnell very well throughout the story yeah. as well. So, although Hartnell's playing like... um. He's not purposely playing it like he doesn't know what's going on because he genuinely doesn't. He doesn't know why, mm. you know, he's he's just sort of going along with everybody, telling him he's, you know, Petullian and he's just going with it. Um, Nero's getting more and more and more annoyed with him, isn't he? Because yeah, he's winning over yeah. the crowd. Um, he's making everyone happy and cheery. And then when he goes to tell him you're going to be performing in the arena, and Arnold's just going with it. He's like, Yeah, fine, I'll do it sure yeah you know something for them to get their teeth into he's like he's outsmarted me again i can't have it (laughs) so that's good to see like yeah Yeah. the the banter between those two yeah i love that i love the scenes between the two of them yeah Yeah. it's cool um and then right tardis peeps Mm, Uh, tardis team yeah vicky she um like we said earlier a wee bit of a a spare part job yeah but i think she's quite i still quite like her in actually um yeah, I, st-
3: I think she's quite, quite good in it, but she doesn't get anything to do. So, yeah, I think she's nice in the scene she's in, but just inconsequential. She doesn't get to do anything. Yeah, she's really. quite sweet. Yeah, But yeah, she's, she's just, just not, sweet. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Ian and Babs. Wow, now, hmm.
3: um, I love these two characters. I love um, Barbara and Ian. Um I thought Ian's pretty standard, you know, you get get what you normally get from Ian uh, in this. I thought, you know, it's very good. Barbara, though, I thought was a bit under par. Yeah.
0: Because I normally
3: yeah. really like Barbara. She doesn't seem to be giving it her all in this story. You know, like, it's, it's almost like the complete opposite to Hartnell. Hartnell seems to be reveling in it and loving every line, <laughs> even when he fluffs them. He just seems to be just loving the story. Barbara to me, and probably quite understandably, considering what she has to do in it, she just didn't seem to be,
0: yeah, yeah,
3: didn't seem to be the the Barbara that we that we have in other stories. She's not as good as she normally is. Um, I just thought she was her performance was just a little bit flat.
0: Yeah, I completely. I was going to say exactly the same thing, pretty much. Um, Ian is as you would expect Ian to be. Mm. Um, you know what you expect from his character. Um, he doesn't Barbara disappoint. Seems bald. Yeah, whereas Barbara, she's just more. Um, yeah, she just doesn't seem like she's cooking on gas on this one. She's almost mm. like she's, um, yeah, just turned up, sort of read it and can't wait to go home.
3: Yeah, I was sort of just thing. trying to see what I wrote. I was, in my notes, I just put Jacqueline Hill not on top form. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way yeah. I can describe it. She just doesn't seem to be that that on
0: top of things in, in this somehow. Yeah. yeah seems I mean, a bit she's, of... she's not terrible. Um, no, no, you know, no. By any stretch, but she's, yeah in comparison to how we've seen her in some other stories, even up to this point, you know, Mm. she's just not quite, maybe it's just, maybe it's just a comparison between the doctor and these two, because he's so, let's talk about the doctor because he's like, this is a very unusual story for his performance. You know, you, you rarely see, um, stories where the doctor is sort of playing that, uh, almost childish, um, very free-spirited, not giving a damn about much, just, you know... Very confident. Confident, yeah, and just giggling and laughing all the time and absolutely having a ball. Um, you have little tiny nuggets of that in other stories with Hartnell, but in this story, he's like it pretty much from start to finish, isn't he? He's just yeah. loving it.
3: I absolutely love Hartnell in this. <laughs> I, I to, to be honest with you, he... He saves the story for me. Yeah, whenever he's on screen, I'm just, you know, it's just pure gold. Um, Especially (laughs) there's a bit where he goes, fabulous, absolutely fabulous. He goes, and I'm like, what? Who is this? You know, I love Hartnell in the story. He clearly is enjoying it um, because it just comes out on screen. He's just, he's funny. He's, we get this bit of tetchy doctor just every now and again. I just loved him in it. I loved every, every minute that he's on screen. I just loved it.
0: Absolutely. And as when I was thinking about the score for this one, I was mm. thinking, what am I going to give it? And every time I thought to myself, right, so what would I take points away from, and what would I? And every time that I was thinking about the score, it was just Hartnell that was coming into my head. Absolutely. It was like yeah. you know he's bringing the score up for me on this Big one time. because he just saves it. Yeah. Not the he entire does. story because really there are some good elements in it, but. I think if he wasn't like, if he was playing the Doctor House, we would normally expect him to play it. That sort of grumpy, tetchy, you know, I think the story would have suffered. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have been as good a watch as it it was.
3: Um, Oh, no, definitely not. Because there's a lot, there is a lot of time in the four episodes when it does get a bit dull. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, this this is as I said, this is by far a, a great story. There's a lot of time when you it's like,
0: oh god, yeah. you
3: know, look at your phone time. Um, but whenever Hunt was on screen, there's none of that. He's he, he's brilliant in it. He's just absolutely electric. Yeah,
0: yeah, he's great. Um, and music, not really much music at all in it, is there really?
3: Well, there's, the music in it actually adds to the comedy. Does not now? I think whenever we get a bit of music, it tends to be a sort of almost like a a comedy sting. You know, it's sort of, you know, yeah. like when the guy gets thrown out the window, I think we get one of those. Um, so, yeah, it's okay, the music. I think it suits the story. Yeah,
0: there's just not much of it. It's just every yeah. now and then you get the, like you said, this little sort of comedic thing. Yeah. Um, you might, yeah, so you heard it in the clip that we played earlier when Nero realizes the maps are burning. Sorry, the plans are burning. Mm-hmm. It's just instead of like this sort of suspenseful music because he's about to. You know, either wallop the doctor or go mad. It's just this funny, sort of comedic bit of music, and it's all kicking off. But yeah, yes. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say before we jump onto the scoreboard?
3: No, I'm in. Intri- I'm intrigued to see what you score this because I found it very hard to score it. To be mm, honest, you It'd be a bit like I yeah. think you were saying this, weren't you? It's um, because I love Hartnell in it, and and that does bring the score up. But uh, yeah. And I did struggle to score this one, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, me too. Me Whose too. turn is it first? I think it's me. Okay, good. I believe, right. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> right, so. Because I'm really interested to see what you score it. Go on. I am going to go in with a six. <gasps> Gasp, six. Yep.
3: Wow. bit higher than I was expecting, I'll be honest. bit higher than I was expecting that
0: huh? mm-hmm yeah Go on, yours is quite a bit lower isn't it
3: well i'll tell you what for for for, um, for a while the score was around four for me but right. um it went by the end of it i i've gone for a five um no, it's not five, too out, much. Okay. five no. out of ten because i kind of felt it was a middle of the road it wasn't yeah wasn't great wasn't bad just it was just sort of middle of the road okay quite enjoyable yeah heart was like you said great in it so you know but yeah, I couldn't really go too high with it.
0: So I sort of went in the middle. Five. Okay, yeah. I I, I was hovering around. Actually, after I first watched episode one, I was like, well, this is a four. Mm. <laughs> you know, this is I a four, 4.5. But at the end of the story, I was just so, uh, just loving watching Hartnell. Mm. You know, I just, I couldn't, you know, it was almost part, the little part of me almost wished that he was like that in other episodes, but then when I gave it another thought, I was like, no, cause that would have ruined those stories. But he was such a good, he had such a good performance in this. Mm. He gave just crack, you know, cracking. He was just loving it. And it's just infectious. Cause then you want to, you know, watch more of him like that. So,
3: yeah, that's true. And also I like it for being different. Um, it's, it, it's, it does surprise me that it didn't stick in my mind before. Mm-hmm. Like I had genuinely forgotten this story, um, completely. So it's, uh, it's definitely one that will stick in my mind now I've rewatched it because it is different um, and it has got some lovely little elements to it that uh, that bring it up in the score. So, yeah. Yeah, not the best story, but, but an interesting one. Yeah, and definitely one that I could put on again and watch thanks to Hartnell. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What did you guys think? Oh, yeah. What do our listeners think? Uh, we had one audio clip in, so I'm going to play that in a bit. Um, first of all, let's jump onto Facebook. Sammy Sateen. Our Sammy. She says, Sammy. Uh, What have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, given us the opportunity to watch this episode, I guess, plus the sanitation and the um, aqueduct, etc. Uh, so, the doctor arrives in ancient Rome and gets mistaken for a musician whom the emperor wants to have killed. Uh, Vicky gets to play servant, and Ian and Barbara get kidnapped by slave traders. Ian gets enslaved to row a large boat, whilst Barbara gets bought by royalty and brought to the palace, and the Doctor nearly gets executed. Uh, it's not bad as the story goes, and I enjoy it, but I always feel like I'm waiting for the Doctor to rescue everyone. I forget yeah. that the Doctor doesn't want to do that to a degree. Uh, I love William Hartner as a Doctor, and his performance is great. Vicky is alright, and I like Ian, Barbara, Ian and Barbara too, so overall 6.5. Alright, okay. Cheers, Sammy. Um, now, I'm going to completely... Uh, mess up pronouncing this uh next listener's name ah um it is maria uh callo titchell Cala one of those two mm. anyway she <laughs> says this story is kind of weird one for me strange mix of dark elements uh but on the benny hill type comedy at times Uh, Mm. I really like the first two episodes seeing all the TARDIS crew relaxing in ancient Rome felt very natural the intrigue with the slave traders is interesting and there is a genuine sense of a dark story as you wonder what will happen to Ian and Barbara Uh, poor Ian taken as a slave rowing in a galley ship Uh, I don't know if I actually like all the comedy once we were in Nero's palace things like Barbara being chased by Nero seem to go on for ages and the doctor pretending to play a lira or an ear uh, seemed a bit silly. Uh, I read that William Hartnell really enjoyed this story for the more comedic elements, but for me, he actually is more believable as a dramatic character rather than a jokey one. Uh, I don't really enjoy the uh, the conceit of the Doctor playing a part in the fire of Rome. Uh, I know this is a sci-fi show, but it's a personal dislike of mine when important historical events somehow lead back to the Doctor. Not a bad story at all, uh, but not fully to my taste fair enough yeah some good points though good points um let's do mm. our audio review this is joe sweeney
2: hello gary and adam hope you too well ah uh, this is great this is my second classic who review i thought that time again will never come sooner so anyway let's start the romans i can't remember much about this episode because i only watched it once and that was months ago but i will try my hardest to have my thoughts on it and as as you guys already know um i'm all um i'm in the middle of watching my classic who marathon so anyway the it start the episode starts off nicely with the tardis arriving on a cliffside and then tumbled over um the sets were good um it's got some good storylines to it the con the concept was was okay and um hana was ace best playing a doctor um ian and Bob and vicky were good um and the supporting cast were, were okay. But it's quite a forgettable episode. So it's not awful. It's not brilliant. But it's okay to watch. On a personal note. I will say this. That watching Doctor Who in black and white. Makes us Whovians highly appreciate it. Because if it wasn't for Hartnell. Um, there would be no Doctor Who at all. And also um, we wouldn't be here talking about it and you guys wouldn't have existed um and also we, we would have been um in the days with boring old reality tv and soaps so anyway um okay episode so i'll give a score of them um, a six out of ten hold your podcast guys be soon take care bye bye for now
3: thank, thank you that's a good point God, imagine being stuck
0: in a world with soaps oh, I, think I hate worse. the soaps Striking <laughs> Moses yeah get rid of them right hmm? I'm back on Facebook I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lewis Palmer says I do love this story it's a fun romp that is an absolute joy to watch Ian and Barbara's relationship with the Doctor has really grown from the hostility of their first meeting and it's lovely to see them being best friends uh, it's a great pure historical Vicky is quite good but can be a bit like Susan Mark too the main reason I love this is because it has so much fun without ever going into Delta and the Bannerman levels of, of absurdity. <laughs> um, but although I like the slavery subplot, sub uh, it does sometimes clash with the otherwise light-hearted tone. Overall, immensely enjoyable romp, which gets an 8 out of 10. Cheers, Lewis. Uh, A.K.A. the Gargantuan Apple. Yes, um, Jim Cameron from the Crinoid podcast says, oh, great podcast. a successful combination of funny and dramatic Hartnell's having a whale of a time and the comedy and Ian's exciting plotline counterpoints it well with Barbara somewhere in the middle. Great mm. fun, 7 out of 10. Oh, cheers Jim uh, My wife Natasha Raylot jumped on and said, <laughs> uh, that brown haired bloke looks a lot like a very young Jason Manford
3: Does she mean Ian?
0: She does mean Ian, yes.
3: Right, well um... Yeah, yeah, maybe. He does,
0: yeah. That's my yeah. wife's contribution there. That brown-haired bloke. Um, Danny Brown. <laughs> Big fan, is she? <laughs> yeah, Danny Brown says, Doctor Who does carry on. Uh, it's great. Not much else to say apart from that 7.5. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, cheers, Mark. Mark Atkinson, an enjoyable enough romp. Hartley's good with the comedy and the story doesn't outstay its welcome. 6.5. Cheers, Mark. Nice one. Jeff Waddle. Jeff, he just got in this morning, didn't he? I saw it. Yeah. I saw his comment come in just in time. He says, uh, Heart and at his best. Uh, simple enough story, but never drags. When you think about it, it's quite dark, really, with poisonings, murders, people being killed in the arena, and finally, most of a city and its people burning to death. Uh, and yet, <laughs> it's kind of a comedy at the same time. Uh, not as good as The Crusades, but still a wee gem. Eight out of ten.
3: Oh, cheers, Jeff.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, good, that's a good point, actually. The Crusades. Another one I haven't watched for ages. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. right. Miles Mackenzie, lastly on Facebook, says, uh, "Still to get this episode, <laughs> hoping oh. it's a good story." I think it, I think it is one that could divide opinion. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely think... worth a watch for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely give it a watch. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely not one that we would say. Oh, I wouldn't bother with that one. You know, still give it if you're undecided, still give it a go. It's, it's mm. um, you might like it. You Probably will like it, actually you'll like Hartnell for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. anything on the geeks handbag?: No, I didn't have anything this week on Geeks, nope yeah, it's no, quite no. um because we said this when we were doing the schedule I was like it's you know it's not one that many people talk about, and even you, like I've said like 10 times mm. over the past two weeks now, you actually you're like, hold on, the Romans, have I seen that one? I must have seen it I must go, I must have it because I've got them all, but I can't remember yeah. it, Um, so that's it, probably you know not a very popular Hartnell one.
3: Yeah, no, I'm glad we. i um, thank you for everyone that commented because I was a bit worried, um, mainly because I couldn't remember it that um, that it was one that that perhaps people wouldn't have seen or or wouldn't comment on. So I'm really pleased we got some comment comments from you guys about it because um, it is an interesting story. So I was really keen to hear what people thought of it, um, and because it's in that box set with another one, I know sometimes people don't always buy the box sets. Hmm. which also worried me I thought well perhaps people won't have got it because it's in with another story and all that so so yeah thanks to you guys who did comment yeah it's interesting to hear your thoughts
0: yeah yeah thank you as always for taking the time to do that it's awesome Um, next week uh, we are going back to the 10th doctor Mm -hmm. it's a David Tennant episode Uh, dude what we doing next week I don't really know (laughs) 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 i'm
3: doing that because i bet you hardly anyone will get that but but mavis is an energy from Um, we're doing the lazarus
0: experiment next week ah the lazarus experiment um yes yes, cool i'll be very interested to see or sorry to hear what you think about this one mate because uh, yes i've got some feelings on this one Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reviewing that one. Yeah. So as usual, we'd love to hear your points of view. So send us an email or a tweet or a Facebook, or better still, an audio clip. That'd be awesome. Uh, and to all the lurkers out there, um, <laughs> and uh, many of you, which we love you as well, um, just take that first step and jump onto your keyboard and type something or sending an audio clip. It would be awesome. Yeah. And I think we'll do there for one o- Eight. 108. 108. 106. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to do there, mate, for 108. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode 108 and all of the juicy news that we had to go through. Those squabbling kids, eh?
4: Yeah. Uh, which side kids. are you,
0: Team Barrowman or Team Moff? Oh, I'm not sure. I think I'm Team Barrowman at the minute. All just right. because the Moff's, uh Yeah, he's, he's done some unforgivable things with the show over the years. <laughs> so, um... And he's big, very cross. He's very cross. So I'm, I'm sort of in the middle. I've got splinters in the bum, but I I think I'm leaning towards Mr. Barrowman at the minute.
3: I bet you the moth can't wait to blimmin' leave, Doctor. I oh, bet I he's like, imagine, yeah. bet he's like, oh, should have left last year.
0: I should have <laughs> packed up and gone when you're all moaning at me. He <laughs> <You know. laughs>
3: can't wait to get away from it. Yeah.
0: So, uh, yes, and I uh, hope you enjoyed our review of the Romans. And thank you for sending in your stuff, too. Uh, next week, the Lazarus experiment. Um, Mr. Tennant, we haven't seen Mr. Tennant in a while, so it'd be good to watch one of his and go through all that stuff. Head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. From there, you can listen to all of our previous episodes, and you can also link off to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that gumph. Uh, you can also hit those big buttons right at the top as well, so you can subscribe on iTunes or RSS or whatever you like. Um, and if you are an iTunes listener and you do subscribe it would be amazing if you gave us a rating and a review because that really helps us out heaps so mm. that would be really good Uh to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag some cracking stuff over there you just need to do a search for The Geek's Handbag on YouTube and Facebook give them a like and a follow and a subscribe and all that stuff uh, some great vids over there cheers dude it's all good uh, rightio I think we're going to do there um, really looking forward to speaking to you guys next week um, my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember and uh, uh, oh, 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 oh no we've gone and, oh let's do it again <laughs> and Three, remember 3, 1 oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> right let's do it Three, two, one. 2, uh, uh, oh crikey 3, uh, uh, and Lonzi.